Accidental Hope listeners, wanted to let you know that we have launched a Patreon. If you're interested in giving from a joyful heart, please follow Patreon forward slash Accidental Hope, and I would love your support. If this blesses you today, would you mind liking, sharing, following, subscribing, tell a friend, or even leaving a review? Thanks so much. You are listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Welcome to Accidental Hope Podcast, a community that seeks hope and healing from a faith perspective. My name is Jennifer. And I'm not an expert, but I do share life experiences because I believe it will help someone else. So get ready to open your heart, laugh, cry, and receive. Let's get started. Welcome to Accidental Hope. Thanks for joining us today. I have Bridget McCarthy here with me, and she's going to tell us just a unique perspective of her journey, her faith journey, um, her journey through grief, and how she experienced the joy of the Lord despite what she's been through. So guys, I want you to welcome Bridget. Thank you so much for joining us today. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, Jen, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I just am so just blessed to be here. And just knowing the work that you do is just such a wonderful thing. Uh, My mama heart just goes out to everyone listening right now. I am from southeastern Wisconsin, a little town Um, And I grew up here and there's probably, I don't know, maybe 9,000 people. It's a small community, big farming community. You know, that's what what everybody's from, like a farm, you know, what farm are you on? You know, I probably didn't do as well as I wanted to growing up. Uh, I made some bad decisions, made some bad choices, found myself um, as a single mother of three. um, And I had my children spaced um, very far out from each other. So there were seven years in between each child. So I had um, my oldest daughter, Jadrian. Seven years later, I had Avery. And then seven years after that, I had um, my little boy, Brody, who um, is just a very big surprise. <laughs> it's, you know, we, we haven't asked her, but such a sweet child. You know, kind of, I had to like save face, I guess I would call that. I'm around my small town. Like, I owned it, right? I owned that I was a single mom and I was doing it on my own and all this and I didn't need any help from anybody, that kind of thing. And I had um, my middle daughter, Avery, and she was just, the only way I can describe her is she was quirky. She took a lot of the world in, you know? She was just an, you know, a, a different type of child. She really, 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 as she got older, decided that we needed to go to church. And I had, being in a small farming community, we do church. So I've always grown up with church, and I always would call myself like a holiday and a half Christian. I'm going all the holidays and half the time in between. And she was just adamant, we needed to go to church. And I was Aww. like, all right, <laughs> I am a single mama. You know, like I'm a single mama. Of, you know, I, I don't think they want me there kind of thing. Um, and I had just kind of put that pressure on myself that I was unwanted in that environment. And she just fought for that, you know, she's like church and, you know, we're going to go to um, youth group. And by the way, there's a small Christian school in our community and I'm going to go to school there. And I'm like, this is ridiculous because one, it's private school and I'm a single mom. It's expensive. And two, this is just strange, you know, but she wanted to go there and she was adamant. So um, we grew up for Delvin Christian school is where she attended. And she just was like this little I don't know. She just oozed faith. 
she would tell me things. I'd be upset because I didn't have money for something. Whatever. And she'd just, mom, don't worry. You know, like Jesus is going to provide, provide for us. Don't worry. And I'm thinking, you know, you're where so does this high. come from? It's right. childlike faith. Yes. And it wasn't something I grew up with and it wasn't, that wasn't the vocabulary I had, you know, that wasn't my vernacular. And so I'm like, where is this coming from? This is just weird. You know, she just was kind, you know, she was kind to everybody and just sought the, the lonely person out and was friends with everybody. And she was known for like doing kind things all over the place. And I would just kind of like, yeah, she's weird, you know, because <laughs> um, I didn't understand yet what a blessing she was. And, um, when she was in fifth grade, uh, it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful fall day. It was October 24th, and we had just um, celebrated her 11th birthday, 19 days before. And um, I dropped her off at school in the morning. And I remember in the morning, she looked different. And I don't know, you know, moms kind of go through that, where all of a sudden you look at your child and you're like, oh, you look, you look older today. Or, you know, you know different or something yeah like they grow up you know you're like when did that happen and I remember that morning she'd asked me if I could brush her hair and you know she was in fifth grade that was a big thing like you know fifth graders did their own hair they didn't want to their hair and I just remember standing behind her in the bathroom and just brushing her hair in the mirror and thinking she's so beautiful so beautiful. And I drove to school and I mean, it, we only lived like, you know, three minutes away from the school. I drove her to school and I remember glancing over and thinking she looked older to me. Like I could see what she would look like, you know, as like a teenager or, or an adult. It was like kind of like this Morphe kind of photo, you know, where mm -hmm. I tell the young and the old and she just looked so beautiful. And, you know, we're singing in the car and I'm just having this little moment to myself, you know, and she gets out of the car and she stops and she puts her backpack on and she goes to shut the door and she just pauses for just a second. And she looks back at me and she says, you know, mom, I really am a God girl. And she turned around, shut the door and skipped into school. And that was the last time I ever saw her on this planet. After school, she was scheduled to do um, gymnastics class, a, a practice. And it was in a town about a half hour away. And then she was going to go to church youth group afterwards. And I was at work and I was planning on leaving. I always had to leave a little early on, on Wednesdays because of gymnastics. And I was at work and I was planning on leaving early that day to make sure I got her and got her on time. And my oldest daughter, Jadrin, who was 17, sent me a text. And she sent a text and she said, Mom, does Avery have gymnastics today? I'd like to bring her. And I remember holding my phone up and I was kind of like annoyed. Like, no, I want to bring her. Like, this is, I get to leave work early. You know, like, I'm going. Like, I'm not yeah. staying here at work for this. It was beautiful. It's sunshiny. It's warm. Yeah. Glorious. And I wrote back, I started writing, no, that's okay. I'm, I'm planning on bringing her. And I, I remember deleting those words. You know, and I can picture myself now deleting that one letter and the next letter, next letter. And I said, I think that would be great. She would love that. Thank you. And I, I think about that text a lot because um, they were supposed to be home at 630 and they weren't home at 630. And I just 
knew something wasn't right. And um, Avery was going to go to church youth group. And if you knew that child, you knew that she would not let anything get in the way between her and Jesus, right? You just knew that. And so I remember being kind of panicky and like writing on Facebook, like, I don't know where the girls are. And a lot of my friends are like, oh my goodness, they're just a few minutes late. Like, you know, relax, you know, relax over your know, protective mom, that kind of thing. Um, and I remember calling my parents, my mom, like, I can't find the girls. They're not answering their phones and uh, calling my sister and I called the police. I was like a crazy person. Um, I called the police three times, um, two different police departments. And they just said, I'll, I'll take your name and your number. You know? And um, I'm like, no, you don't understand. They wouldn't be late. Um, you know, there's two roads leading from this town to our town. They could be on either one. Can you just tell me, have there been any accidents? Can you, you know, just tell me. And um, you know, so, well, we'll, we'll take your, you know, we'll give you a call back if we hear anything, you know. Around eight o'clock, my doorbell rings and it's, um, it's two police officers, uniformed police officers and a man in plain clothes. And he was carrying like a clipboard or a folder or something. And I remember thinking, this is so weird. Like, why are you bringing like a, I thought he was a sketch artist. I was like, why are you bringing a sketch artist? Like I have pictures of my girls. Like I have pictures of them, you know? And, um, and I just, you know, it was just so weird. I think about this moment a lot um, because it's such a beautiful moment and, and it's tragic, but it's so beautiful. The police officer said, are you here alone? And I said, well, no, my three-year-old is with me. And he said, is there anyone we can call? You know, anyone, like, do you know any of your neighbors? I'm like, no, not really, you know? And I said, well, you know, Bernie, go, go play in your room kind of thing. And the, the one police officer said, uh, you know, why don't you show me your room, buddy? I'd like to see, you know, your toys and took him down the hall. And I didn't think anything of it. And this other police officer looked at me and he just said, I'm so sorry, but there's been an accident. I just knew. And I said, which one? And he said, I'm sorry, but Avery didn't make it. And the weird thing was, that was the last thing I thought he would say. And I remember sitting, just my whole body just sat down. And I put my hands over my face and my entire world just went black. Like it just, the life was suctioned out of me. There was no way to breathe. There was no way to think. And I just sat with my hands over my eyes. And then there was this little light that came from within me. And it was the weirdest experience I've ever felt in my life. And it was like this warmth and this glow and it was beautiful and it was warm and milky and silky and lovely and good. And I remember pulling my hands down and looking up at this big broad shoulder police officer and smiling and saying, I know you didn't know her, but if you did, you would know that she loves Jesus. And I knew that she was exactly where she always wanted to be. And I just knew that. And the guy was like looking at me like, you know, I'm sure he's seen a lot of different, you know, different reactions to that kind of news. And I just said, you know, I was just so excited. And I said, you know, she just gave me her Christmas list. And I said, on there was horseback riding lessons and a new Bible. And I was like, she loved Jesus. Like you just, you know, and, um, and I remember thinking, Oh, wait, maybe I'm not supposed to react like this. 
Like maybe this is not, this is not good. You know, like I'm, I'm happy, uh, but I wasn't happy. I was grieving intensely, but also so aware that this little girl's faith and what she went through in her life, what she believed and what she fought for was exactly where she wanted to be. And I knew like in that moment when she was face to face with Jesus, like she was just the happiest person in the world, you know? Yeah. I still had another daughter that I needed to figure out where she was and, and what was going on. And she had been taken to uh, our local hospital. And um, so I had to drive there. And I remember having, you know, I had to call my, my parents and say they found the girls. But, you know, and I, my mom tells me, I don't remember this, but my mom tells me, I, she goes, you called and I picked up the phone and I said, hello. And you said, Avery's dead. And I thought, that is the cruelest way to tell somebody. You know, but you, in that moment, you're not thinking. At you don't all. even remember, yeah. No, you don't. And I, so I, I always tell people, like, I'm so sorry if I was not, like, aware of how, you know, how I broke that news to you. But I had to go to that hospital, and I had to tell Jadrian, you know, her experience was way different than mine, right? My last moments with my daughter on Earth, she was hopping out of her car and told me she was a god girl. Right? The last moments that Jadrian had were so horrific. And it included her getting out of the car and getting back into the back seat and cradling her sister. So I will never understand what she went through and what haunts her. And I think that's part of, you know, this, this part about recovering from grief is so unfair is because some people have these beautiful last moments while other people do not. And they have these horrible, awful things. And I don't know how to reconcile that. And I don't know why that has to be. Mm -hmm. And I understand it and I don't like it and I hate it. Um, Jadrin had to be told that her sister didn't make it. The police didn't tell her. The nurses didn't tell her. Um, they waited for family to tell her. So this, this two-hour gap um, between the accident and us being able to find her in this hospital, you know, she was literally all alone, and no one was giving her any answers. That was hard. I struggled with. And I think, you know, I understand from the perspective of um, – you know, we need to get all the information and we've got to get all the evidence and we got to make sure that, you know, the police have to do their part and this and that, but we're missing a critical component with people. And that is that there are people in this midst of this tragedy that have no one and there's no one sitting with them and they're in a state of absolute confusion. And that's not okay. We cannot do that to them anymore. We have to be able to provide answers, you know, and, and so that's, that's always weighed heavy on my, on my mind. And I knew that right away that Avery was in a good place. I knew that she was young. She was 11. And I knew that she had a lot of really good friends that were not going to understand what happened. They're little. They're little kids. They hadn't dealt with grief. They hadn't dealt with tragedy. You know, maybe a grandpa, you know, an old grandpa had passed away. Um, But this is not something that happens in our small community. You know, it's, it's not. And so the very next morning, I went and I sat in their school. And I sat, we pushed all the chairs, all the desks around. We sat on the floor in a circle. And I just told them, by now, you know, the, the 
the information tree had gone out, the calling tree. So parents knew, some parents had told their children, some people had talked to them about it. And, um, and so we just sat there and I explained to them what I knew about what happened with the accident, and, which wasn't much, you know, at that point. And, you know, they asked questions. What questions do you have? And was she wearing a seatbelt? Yes, she was, you know. Um, were they going very fast? I said, I don't, I don't think so, but I don't know. You know, I don't know the answers to this. Um, you know, were they, you know, did she, did she scream was one of the, I, I don't know if she did, but I don't think God would have left her in that moment. You know, I don't think so. Um, you know, a lot of it was, you know, they're just trying to grapple and get their own, their own minds, minds wrapped around it. So I've got this part of me that's going, okay, I'm got, I got to hold up these small kids, right? These young kids who just went through this tragedy. And then I've got this little boy at home who is three and doesn't understand everything. And he couldn't say Avery when he was little, so he called her Mimi. So like every 20 minutes, this kid is telling me, is Mimi coming home? When is Mimi coming home? Mimi's still at gymnastics? And I'm like, buddy, she's not coming home. She's in heaven. She, you know, we, we can't see her anymore. And then I've got, you know, this older child who is at this point on suicide watch. And, and I remember walking into that hospital room Stupid electric doors. Like, you, that's unfair. Like, I need a door that I can, like, take deep breath and open. But the stupid electric door opened, and I was sitting there, and there was my daughter and a police officer and some other person I didn't know and a nurse, and she has to be told that her sister just died, and she's screaming this horrific scream. And I looked at her, and I said, you can feel angry, and you can feel mad, and you can feel sad, but you are not allowed to feel responsible. And I had no idea what the details of that accident was, but I knew this. Nowhere was this a planned action to take someone else's life. Yeah. Nowhere does anybody wake up in the, you know, in the morning and say, you know what, I think I'm just going to do something really horrific today. You know, we are busy and we are, um, you know, distracted all the time. I know one of the things that came out of this accident right away was the assumption that there had been texting involved because that was around the time when everybody, you know, don't text and drive. And so social media was horrible and awful. And, you know, they jumped to conclusions and the, you know, the, the accident reconstruction, they have to do this whole thing get all this evidence. They showed there was no texting involved. There was no texting. She had actually been going five miles under the posted speed limit. There was no reason for this accident. There really wasn't. She had gotten caught in the gravel on the side of a country road and um, overcorrected like many young drivers do. And the car went out of control and slammed into a utility pole. Avery died instantly. And I tell people sometimes I watch, I feel like I'm watching Jadreen die slowly from her the, the wrong assumption that she's to be held guilty and to be punished every single day of the rest of her life. And she is allowed to feel happy. She is allowed to feel loved and she is allowed to feel treasured and she is allowed to feel like she has a purpose still on this world, like in this world and on this, on this earth. And I think that that's something that um, we haven't done very well. Um, not in my small community. I didn't know something like what you have existed. I didn't know how to find a community of other people who accidentally had caused the death of somebody else. I didn't know where to put Jadrin. And in our small community, especially, 
I'm like, uh, she needs therapy. Where do we go? And this was all like so much bigger than what our small town had ever handled. Right. And, and then, then they're only going to address like the grief of their, of her sister, like regular grief. Right. And this is not regular grief. And we're still searching for words, you know, as an adult, yeah. we're still looking for the right way to advocate for ourselves, let alone a right. child. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that's part of it is now I've watched Jaden. Okay. And she is now 25. This happened when she was 17. So we're on year eight. Um, she has severe depression, PTSD, anxiety, um, suicidal ideation. She, um, has substance control issues. Um, she thinks very poorly of herself, um, overall, um, this is the age of internet. And I was like, you know, you need to get back out into life and you need to experience life. And, you know, you're young and, you know, all of a sudden then there would be a social media backlash with a bunch of kids saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe she's at, you know, at this get together, she's at the party or whatever. And, you know, how could, you know, she's laughing. How could she be laughing? She killed her sister, you know, all this. And I'm like, you know, and it just, it's so much more than what needed to happen. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to stop it. And I didn't know how to say, you know, like, stop it. Like, I, I get to be the one, you know, who says that I forgive her, right? And if it's that hard for her to forgive herself after I say, I forgive you, how difficult is it for all the people who don't hear that and don't get that, who don't get to hear the I forgive you? Because I'll tell you what, the majority of the accidents that happen, you will find that most people are not the ones who say, I forgive you. They're the ones that say, you will hurt as much as I hurt for the rest of your life out of anger and out of rage and all this stuff. And it's, it's, it's wrong. It's something that's said um, when people don't have their own peace. Um, it's poison for your own body, it really. It is. I am able to say, hey, look at, you know what? You don't have to have anyone else forgive you. You have to forgive yourself because you're not going to be a productive person on this planet if you do not forgive yourself. It was an accident. The term accident is in there for a reason. Right. It's an accident. Um, Jadron never got a ticket, never went to jail, never had any, you know, nothing. And, you know, like you were not, you know, responsible. If you had been responsible in some way, you would have gotten a ticket, you would have gotten this, you would have paid it, right? You would have paid your time and you would have been either, you know, we have what's called Huber dorm, you know, where you go to jail for a little bit, but then you can work during the day and go back to jail, that kind of thing. There's different, um, I guess, punishments, if you will, that the world puts on and says, after you do your punishment, you are free to go. Okay, so that there is your forgiveness. But if you're going to hang on to this day in and day out, you've done nothing. You've done nothing good with your life. And why? You've built your own prison. You, you've you, built, and, and yeah. I did, yeah. yeah. And it's easy for me to sit back and say, oh, get over it, you know, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I watch this and I think, how, how can we, how can I help Jadrian, you know? And I don't, I don't know if I have that answer, to be honest with you as much as as her mom, I want to, 
um, it's something she has to find within herself. And, you know, it's this cliche statement that's like, you know, um, you know, you learn something from all your, you know, your experiences and all your situations. Well, you know what, maybe this experience, you need to learn how to advocate for yourself. And you need to say, not today, Satan, not today. This was an awful moment in my past, but it does not define me today. And I can take that and I can take this awfulness and turn it into something good. Mm -hmm. So for me, I thought, okay, you know what? I need to turn this into something good. I've, I've got to. I can't just sit here and feel awful every single moment of my life. I can't. I just cannot do that. Avery was too good of a person to do that. You know what I mean? Like she needed to be valued and it was my responsibility to add that value because she was mine. I'm her parent. I parented her in life and I continue to parent her in death. And the way I do that is um, Avery and I, even though she's in heaven, um, we have some things that we do that, um, you know, shows other people who God is and how good he is. Um, we do the 19 days, which is a lovely little thing we do um, between the 19 days between her birthday and the date of her, um, her accident where she went to heaven. And every day for 19 days, we just um, encourage everybody around us to do an act of goodness, kindness, compassion, once a day, every day for, eight, for 19 days. Um, and it just kind of gives us through. Like, it, we know that her birthday was here. We know what happens next, right? We're not going to pretend we don't know what happens next. I love that. The other thing that we do is um, Avery had this really intense passion for the people of Haiti. And um, I don't know where she got that either. Um, like I said, she was a quirky kid, and half the time I didn't even um, – trying to even figure out where she was coming from. To be honest with you, I was just like, okay, whatever, you know? So she was always um, writing these letters to me that she wanted me to mail to Haiti. And I was like, I don't think that's how that works. But, you know, she would just write these letters and she's like, we love you and, you know, God loves you and we want to, you know, save you and I'm young and if I could, I could, I would build you all these houses. And she's like, here, mom, can you mail this to Haiti? Sure. I just would put them in my closet, you know. Um, but that kind of stuck with me for a while. And, and what it looked like for us was it started by, you know, we're just going to raise some money and people were going on mission trips. If you are going on a mission trip, especially to Haiti, we'll, we'll put some money in, in for that. And I thought, wow, I, I'm doing really good. Like, look at, look at me, God. Like, I am really, you know, stepping out of my box and I'm doing something great in Avery's memory, you know. And God had something really much bigger in store for me, which, you know, that's the way God works. Um, and he was like, no, that's not really what you're going to be doing. I actually want you to have a house in Haiti and I want you to um, take care of kids. And I remember the day you know, I was just, it just hit me. And I guess that's how I hear God. It's like, he just hits me. And um, I'm like, oh, I, I can't take care of my own daughter anymore on this earth, but I can help take care of someone else's. I love it. Oh, so, so good. He, yeah. And so I thought, Lord, you're right. You didn't, you didn't break this maternal bond out of me, right? Like that bond is still there and, you know, I'm still maternal and I still can love and I can love on anybody. And so we have a house in Haiti. It took us many years to raise money for and, and, um, and get it all set up. We have a house in Haiti. It's called the Avery house. And, um, we take young girls who are at risk 
Um, maybe they have been kicked out of an orphanage or they're just, you know, living on the streets, whatever. And, and we give them a home and we provide a, a Christian home environment for them to grow up in. They go to school, they give back yeah. to their community, they have to do community projects and, uh, you know, and we give them all sorts of whatever they need to know that they're valued and they're worth. And you know what? They've gone through a lot of tragedy in their young lives. They really have. And, um, and you know, I thought, I can, I know what tragedy feels like. Mm-hmm. I know like to feel alone. I know what it feels like to feel like you can't get out of this. I know what it feels like to feel like you've been abandoned and every, you know, everywhere you look, it's just dark and it's miserable and it's horrible. And, you know, and I thought no more, like Satan doesn't get to claim that over lives anymore. Like, no, I'm just, I'm not going for it. You're like, I'm just putting up with it anymore. And so that's what we do is we just, you know, I think the biggest thing that I, when people ask me what we do, I said, I just love on them. Yeah. Just, that's what we have to do. We just have to love on people, you know, and love on these girls. And, um, and that's one of the things that we've, you know, we've done. Um, I love that. I mean, I can't even how that fell into place or how it evolved or, I mean, I'm sure there's like a big story of how these story. Yeah. Right. There's a big story. And that, that would be like 15 podcasts. Right. Like, he was so good. He was so good. And, you know, um, and I think one of the things that I, I try to tell people is, you know, there's always going to be hope and blessings and joy in and amongst that sorrow, but you have to look for it. You have to search it. It's like one of those, like, um, we used to, you know, they used to be in the highlights catalog or highlights magazine. That's aging me. Cause I am older. <laughs> I I like to right. Do you remember the highlights? Do you remember like the you- search, like the little puzzle yes. search? Yes. I had it. Yes. Yeah. That like- was my favorite part. And I like, search for this sock. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> In the sock, you know, and you have to find the sock of joy in life. Right? Yeah. And so, um, it, it's very easy for us when we have tears in our eyes, it's so hard to see, right? It's so hard to see. And so we have to wipe those tears and just be like, I'm going to find that sock of joy. It's out there today for me. And I'm going to claim it when I see it. Yeah. One of the things that I did was, um, and I, and I always thought about doing this as like a journal, you know, like, like for other people, like, you know, I I don't know how to make a book or journal it or anything, but I'm like, I think this needs to be out there. But I just want like every day I would write three things I was thankful for. And then three compliments I gave that day. And then one compliment I received because after Avery died, my world was so dark, right? Even though there was so much goodness in it, I had to fight my way through it. Yeah. And I thought, I can't, I got to do something. And so I'm a very like list person, bullet point person. All right. One, two, three, what do I do? You know, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to find three things I was thankful for today. And, and I had to give the compliments. I was at a point when I had her, I was hearing a lot of negative stuff about me, about Jadrin what kind of mom would let her, you know, her kid drive this far, you know, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think everyone's trying to find a reason, you know, everybody needs a reason. And no matter what people think you have to, I I wish people understood you could take the worst thought and we've already thought it. Oh yeah. Yeah. The worst feeling of, uh, um, that we can put on ourselves, whatever you could conjure up, We've already felt it. We've already attached I would, it. I would add to that. You've attached it not with Velcro. 
You've attached it with nails and screws and Gorilla Glue. I mean, it's, it's not like a, a, a light attachment. I think like, and I, you know, I think of Jadrin and I think of, you know, for a long time, I hated that stupid text, you know, that like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? And then I remember thinking, but it gave Avery one more moment with her sister who she treasured. Yeah. You know, and, you know, but I, I want to tell Jadrin like that, and I want to tell everybody like, that is not who you are. That is not your identity. But, you know, and I love that with the cup, that imagery, and I think you've probably seen it too, where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a clear vase, right? And you, you put like dark um, drops of, you know, food coloring in it and it turns dark, right? And then you put the clear water in and how much longer it takes, you know, to wash that out, right? Do you know how long it takes when you keep putting in more and more and more of the dark food coloring? You're never going to, you know, you're never going to free that up. So at some point, you just have to say, I'm done. I'm done punishing myself. It's like that, you know, a wheel on a bike and you just, you have to put the stick in it, you know, like to stop it from spinning. And you just have to be like, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And you know what? There might be people who are very angry about the accident. And cruel. And cruel. And, what you told yes. me. I mean, you shared with me. That was oh. just cruel. Yeah. Horrible stuff. But you know what? That's on them. And you know what they yeah. did? They have that, they had that cruel moment and they have to deal with that cruelty within themselves. Yeah. I can't do that. There is absolutely nothing that I can do, nothing Jadrin can do to make somebody happy. We cannot make Avery reappear. Right. One of the things that happened after Avery's accident was I was sued by her father. And I was sued because Jadrin, who's older, does not have the same father as Avery did. And so this man, who's Avery's father, decided to sue me and to sue her because she was driving. She was a minor. I let her drive. It was my car. It was this big, to do. it was horrible. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. This is not what I need right now, right? And I remember going to the courtroom. I didn't even get an attorney. I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I, I was so broken at that point. And I remember going in there and I remember the judge, you know, he was there, um, the, my ex was there with his attorney and they were all big and, you know, like wearing their suits and everything. And I just came in like, you know, crying because I just missed my kid. And, um, and I felt horrible. I felt horrible all the way around, you know, and, and I thought, I, I don't know what, what this, the point of this is, but if you need to do this, then do this. And it was so interesting because I remember the judge saying, I'm so sorry, Miss McCarthy, that you have to sit here today. Like, I'm so sorry. And I thought, you know, thanks, but that doesn't help much because I'm still sitting here, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, the outcome of that was he got a lot of money, you know, and I don't know if that made him happier. I don't know how that changed his life. Um, the last I heard, he's still just as angry as always. And the thing is, like, there's nothing I can do to make him happy. There's nothing Jadrin can do to make him happy. It was a horrible, horrible thing that happened. But if he wants to spend the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of his life miserable, then that's on him. I'm focused on my life, my daughter, Jadrin's life. Guess what? You know what? We were not put on this planet to be punished every single day of our life for something that happened long ago. Right. God's 
plan was sending Jesus down and having him nailed to that cross was to wash all of our sins away and to forgive all of us. And who are we to say, well, that works for 99% of the sin, Lord, and 99% of our issues. But you know what? I've got, I was in this accident and you don't understand how awful it was. So I just got to keep punishing myself because you can't cover that, you know? And I'm like, no, we're not, who are we to say that? You know, it's like, no, you need to get up and you need to start living your life. You know, you've, you've done what you can do. The next part now is doing what you must do, which is loving yourself again. Yeah. Saying, I, I am free from this. It's an awful part of my life, just like I have wonderful, beautiful parts of my life. Yeah. And I wish I knew about, I guess, God's plan and all this, you know, like, all right, Lord, I get the idea of, you know what, maybe it's Avery's time to go home. I get that. I am all that. I'm on board. I think she's happy. I think I've never had to worry about her. You know, she, I know where she is. She's safe. She's warm. She's comfortable. She's having a time of her life. I just don't understand the part of God's plan where there's people left over that are still stuck in their pit years later, a lifetime later. And I know that his plan, I know he'd look at me, he would say, my plan doesn't include them in that pit. I don't know why they won't let me help them get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the permission to get out of the pit. Um, we, we talked about the pit. We talked about, we dig our way further into the pit earlier. Bridget was saying that and to put down the spoon, to put down whatever it is. If you're crawling, you know, crawling no clawing 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 through the pit you know giving yourself that permission um the thing that I love about that and I did not know thank you for sharing that part about just your the layers the many layers of pain that we experience in these accidents nothing does change this situation but making purpose from pain is the bravest thing that you can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the courage to say, because even when you say you're better, like, like I am, I am happy because the world doesn't understand that joy because it is joy beyond understanding. Mm -hmm. It gets very confusing for other people who haven't experienced it. And so because the world doesn't go like, how can she make beauty from pain? How can she still be so, like, if you guys can see Bridget right now, she is just glowing, big, beautiful smile, you know, and, and that, there's light in her eyes. There's not the darkness. There's not the welling of tears just spilling out even though she's experienced that. Yeah, by the way, I still... I, yeah, we all have our days. For sure, you just celebrated, or celebrated, yeah. I don't know if that's yeah, the right no, word. I would say, no, celebrated is the right word. Yeah. And that, that is, I am celebrating. She is eight years in heaven. She's yeah. And, you know, it, it is a celebration. It's a celebration because I can say, look at all the good that has come from these eight years that we haven't had her. It would be awful if on this date, her life was extinguished and nothing more happened. If 
everybody involved just rolled over and crawled under the, the covers and never got out again, what good would have, I mean, what, I couldn't, there would be no joy. Right. No joy. And I think that, you know, there's, there's something, and I, I get so angry at Jadrin. I'm not going to lie. I, she knows this. I will tell her all the time. I get so angry. She's doing so much better trying to forgive herself. Um, but I get so angry because I'm like, but you have to move on. We are not on that date anymore. That calendar has moved past. What have you done in that time? Have you just sat and felt bad and felt guilty and felt horrible? And I know that that part is always going to be in you. I'm not saying that that part is never going to be in you. That's going to be in you. But you're allowing it to take over all of you and nothing is happening. You're not moving forward. You're not going anywhere. There's so much in this world that needs to be done. So much goodness. Now, one of the things that I look at when I look at my daughter, Jadrin, is her love of animals. Now, I do not share <laughs> love of animals. And I feel bad saying that. I love pictures of animals. Animals are cute. They're so lovely. Jadrin has this crazy, unique way with dealing with animals. She's a vet tech now, and she's doing all this stuff, and it's wonderful with these animals, and she does surgeries and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and I'm thinking, what if you never went down that path? She has sat, because she knows grief, okay, she has sat with families when families are saying goodbye to their treasured animal pet, their loved one, their baby, right? And she knows that. She knows what that grief is. She also worked as a CNA and she worked. I remember she told me she's going to be a CNA and I thought, okay, you know, it's like a six week course, whatever. And she did that and she's going to work at a nursing home and she decided she wanted to work in the dementia ward, the memory loss facility. Special calling. And I was like, that's the worst, right? That's, I mean, that's, that's horrible. Why would you want that? And she said, mom, I know what it's like to feel all alone. And like, there's nobody there for you. Yeah. And I thought that brings me so much joy that she knows that pain because there are people there who don't have the visitors and yet she's there with them. And so every day she would go, she's a blessing to other people. Right. So through that accident and through that horrific moment, this beauty comes out. And it's like me saying, hey, look, at, I can't take care of my one daughter anymore, but look at the countless daughters I have now in Haiti and all these girls and all the, you know, these young women and stuff. Like, I, I love that. Like God has blessed me in larger ways than just the one life. He's blessed me in multiple, you know? Right. Um, that I think is like hugely important to say, no matter what your, I'm going to say role was in the accident, right? In whatever happened, no matter what your role is, you have to find what your blessing and your strength was in that. And you have to put that out into the world again. Yes. Hard. And you have to be really vulnerable with it, but you have to put that back out there, you know, and some of that means experiencing that hurt over and over. When Jadrian said to me, I know what it's like to feel completely all alone. Yeah. That came with so much depth to it because the accident they were on, no one was around. 
She got out of the car and there was no one. She said, mom, I didn't know what happened. I thought the world had blown up and we were the only ones left on it. There were no cars coming, it was complete silence. And so she knows that scary, alone, disorientated, like, I don't know what's happening here. And she also knows the alone of, I lost all my friends at school because I'm a senior in high school and they don't know how to react to this. And she knows the alone of being persecuted online. She knows the alone of, you know, I don't know how to act at, you know, get togethers or parties or there's, you know, hey, there's a baby shower. Am I supposed to be happy? I don't, you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. So she knows that. But that is her strength in that moment. That was her strength. Even though it was horrible, it's her strength. And she has to put that back out in the world. And so that's what she does is through, you know, sitting with people who are, you know, saying goodbyes to their pets and, you know, working with people in the nursing home. Like that's her gift and that strength was <sighs> kind of just, it, it, it got so much strength and through that accident, she wouldn't be doing those things if not for that accident. And so no matter what your role you believe you played in, in whatever accident happened, you have to figure out where you fit, but not to punish yourself but to put that blessing back out into the world because people are going to be blessed by it and people need it. And it's a shame and you're selling yourself short and all these other people short. If you sit at home and you feel bad for yourself and you don't do the hard work and go out there and do that. And it is hard. It is hard. It is hard. Mm. You know, I, I absolutely agree with that. The aloneness and that is beautiful that you could see it. You keep speaking that life, Mama. I believe that, Jadrian, if you're listening to this, um, your life, there's a song that was really hard for me recently. It's been on the radio. And it says, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Mm. Have you heard this song? It's um, beautiful. It's, it's, part yeah. of the, it's part of the chorus, and it says, I've got breath in my lungs. If I'm not dead, you're not done. And you're just declaring that to the Lord. We're coming out of this pandemic, or we're in the pandemic, I don't know, quarantine, right? Where we're all just inside, we're hibernating, we're shut off from the world. And we experience that ourselves in our own shame. And it's declaring to the enemy who tried to steal our lives, and it's declaring to the Lord in kind of like a worship sense. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Because the enemy wants us to feel like this is it. Live a life that I thought was a good life, you know. And, but that's a life of works. You know, and, and then when we have something that happens, like in your life, felt being a single mom, that it just, it made, it put a certain stamp on you. Yeah. And you had to fight and overcome that to realize that that was the, the lie of the enemy. And the, the truth came from your beautiful daughter, right? And so I had to fight that own, that same battle, that my life was not on the, the purpose of my life was not to harm someone in my accident. God has a purpose in your life, Jadrian, or whoever is listening he loves you. You are worthy. You are cared for. You are adored. And you are absolutely cherished, giving you permission to move forward. Maybe you can't move on, 
because it goes with you, but you can move forward one step at a time, making that right next step. Like when you said, you know, I just said, what can I do? I can, I can start with a notebook and a pencil and I can just say, what am I grateful for? Give me three things I can get through this day. Make that next right step. I can raise money for for a mission trip. You know, I can plant one small seed and let God take the rest. That's a choice that we all have to make. And it's so scary, but it's so worth it because we do have something to offer the world. This podcast is sort of my one little small next step because I felt, I felt alone, surrounded by love, completely alone. I knew the word. I knew God's word. I knew the love of Jesus. And yet I almost listened to the enemy's lies too. I mean, I did listen to them for a long time. And I know what it's like to be persecuted. Jadrian, if you're listening, it's okay to turn around and it's okay to, to live this day and put down that burden. You can live your life full of joy, full of abundance, full of gratitude, and still understand and honor that, you know what? Yes, accidentally this happened in my life. Accidentally, I'm not diminishing the fact that this life was taken, that, you know, I played a part in it. I, I you know, I'm sorry that that happened. I, can, I will say I'm sorry for the rest of my natural life. And we say, no, I can't, I don't, I'm responsible and you know, he or she would have been X number of years old by now and they would have had children by now and they would have done it. You don't know what they would have done. Yeah. They might not have done any of that. Yeah. And in my case, I truly honestly believe that Avery, her time was up. God had written in his book when she was coming home. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, I cannot sit there and stress in, or sit here and stress enough. Like I have to tell people like, you have got to understand that you moving on with your life, you forgiving yourself does not somehow disrespect or diminish the life of someone who's no longer here. Oh, amen. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I'm, I just, I've got to say, I got to shout from the rooftops. Like you, (laughs) you need to move on just, and I think that that is something that we convince ourselves of. That's the enemy talking, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't look at, if you're, what's going to look like? What is that going to look like if you have fun and you're laughing this Halloween and that poor mom over there, her daughter can't trick-or-treat, but you're having fun with your children trick-or-treating. How's that going to look to her? It's going to look like you didn't care about that one. It, that's the enemy. That is the enemy talking. You know right. what? I can go out and I can enjoy life and I can give a good life to my children that are here on this earth and I can still respect and value the life that is no longer here. Yeah. We do both, but we have to balance it. And it's not a 50-50 balance. It's not. It's like, you know, a huge balance of joy and gratitude and appreciation and a sliver, just a sliver of accountability there. Because you know what? God said, uh-uh, there's, I'm not even keeping track anymore. I don't know why you are. Right. We're human, so that little thing, I know you're gonna, I know you're gonna wanna hold yourself accountable, right? God knows that. He's like, I'm not keeping score, but I know you are. It's everybody's choice how we grieve this. Um, you know, and you can't do it for someone. You can't, you can't do it for someone, I know. But I love your example, and I love what you're doing, and I love the legacy that Avery has in that. Some ways, but you can be encouraged by it. We can learn as um, to take that speck out of our eye 
guys, and, and I've repented of this, if you don't understand something, instead of judging it, try to understand it, try to be compassionate, try to be that um, benefit of the doubt. Um, this is, this is, none of us would have asked for this, but when whatever it is you're facing, we just try to make the best of the situation with God's help. And yeah, taking purpose from pain. But is there anything else you want to tell us that's something that you want to leave somebody with before we go? You know, I think um, you have to trust yourself. You have to trust your gut. Um, and you're not going to want to because you're so confused as to what's happening around you, you know, that you're like, I don't know how to do this. And to go easy on yourself and just one, one small step at a time. I think one of the things that you really have to do is um, slow down and not expect to be able to be exactly where you, and how do I explain this? You know how everybody moves on past a news story once the next news story breaks? For people going through this, their news story never breaks. It's the same news story on the, on the, you know, flashing across on all the headlines every second of every single day. And it's okay to know that this is going to take a really long time, but not to be discouraged that it's going to take a really long time. It's going to take a long time, but you have to find that joy every day. Every single day, you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, you know what? I just need to get through 24 hours and I'm going to find joy. I'm going to find joy. If it kills me, I'm going to find that stupid joy. It's out there. And just, you know, and to just say I, every day I'm going to do that. And that's all I'm going to do. I remember looking at my friend Kim and I said, I, I was sobbing. I said, I don't know how to do this. I just don't know how to do this. And she looked at me and she said, you're going to put one foot in front of the other in a way you've never done before. And that was it. I'm like, okay, well, I can do that. Right. You I didn't know what that looked like, you know? Yeah. And that's what it is, is you just have to give yourself grace. You really do. And you have to look at yourself from an outside perspective. I was like, if you were mothering yourself, what would you do? How would you, how would you comfort this child? Because we're all children, right? We're all God's children. And so we have to do that to ourselves. Sometimes I just look at myself and I know it makes me sound kind of nutty, but I'm like, if I was the mother of me, what would I do? What would I say? How would I comfort? How, I, how would I encourage? Yeah. Because we have to be our own best advocates. Because let me tell you, if we start believing what other people say about us, you know, it all goes downhill from there. And so we have to be like, all right, what would I tell myself? One, turn off the social media. Are you kidding me? Don't even go on there. Don't even, you don't need to. Two, surround yourselves by people you absolutely trust three it's okay to tell people to get out of your house and that was one thing I had to learn um I remember there was a couple people that stopped over and um I think they stopped over probably more to hear the gossip than um to actually be a healing part of my community um and so you know we I remember looking at my sister I'm like you have to tell them to leave they have to go and she did you know um, so I think that's, you just have to give yourself grace. One yeah. day. One day yeah. mm, that's so good. Thank you so much for sharing 
both daughters in this story and your journey of healing. I, I know it's going to, um, I believe it's going to help a lot of people. And I, I'm in Texas. Jadrian, I'm in Texas. Let's, let's. She's in San Antonio and she's loving it. Oh let, let's, let's find a way to, to get in touch with her. And I'm ready to hear the testimony of when she's ready to put it down and, and really fully put it down. I know she's doing great things with animals and, yeah. and the elderly, but it's time to put it down. So. Amen. Amen. So good. Yes. Well, thank, thank you. you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. An absolute oh. I will continue praying for you and praying for everyone who listens. I know that, um, you know, God's just got something wonderful in store for every single one. And, you know, no one is not going to be overlooked. God has something beautiful planned for every single person. So. That's right. He wastes nothing. Hey, can you tell us how yeah. we can find more about Avery's house? If somebody wants to donate yes. or look up what you're doing, how could they so, get involved? Yeah. So um, we have a website, AveryDayMinistries.com. Um, her name is spelled A-V-E-R-Y, so Avery Day. Um, and then we also are on Facebook. So there's um, Avery Day Ministries on Facebook and the Avery House on Facebook. And then I actually have a, um, I write a blog so um, you can actually, it's called Stumbling Towards Perfect, and I'm also on Facebook, and there's a blog out there, and um, if you scroll back far enough, you'll be able to find what I wrote right after the accident, and, um, and so there's some beautiful things written on there and, and captured in there, and just how God worked. It's just a beautiful thing, so. Oh, wow. It's good. It's good stuff. Thank you so much. It was so You're good welcome. to talk with you. It was so good to talk with you, too. Oh, I loved it. I loved and you know, what's crazy is we didn't even talk about this, and I'll probably, you know, but uh, I met a friend at a, a podcast um, a conference, I guess a Christian podcast conference. And, and it was like, you know, she's like, oh, you know, I have a friend that that has a story similar to yours, you know? And I was like, you do? You know, I mean, obviously this is everywhere. Every single day I can find a report about an accident and I can see the hate and I can see the grief and I can see the just every day, we can't escape this. We can't, it happens every single day. And I was just like blown away. I, and so this has been almost a year coming, just getting to know you um, from Wisconsin to Texas. And, uh, you know, just, it's a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful for the connections. I just love, I know God connects these dots in the craziest ways. I love it. I yeah. love how he works. So good. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I appreciate you so much. So if oh. next time you're in Waco, you come see me. We'll, we'll go to our Magnolia. Oh, absolutely. I'm so there. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for listening to Accidental Hope. Remember the seek hope and share it. Come back next week. Bye. Happy Music Number 7 brought to you by scottholmesmusic.com.